Hello and welcome to Blast Beats and Bicycles, the quarantine sessions. Excited to have uh, with us today Sarah Wolf from the band Aftertime. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Jason. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I guess I should say welcome back. You uh, and the rest of the band were on earlier this spring, um, but you've had a lot of stuff going on in the last couple weeks, and I'm excited to uh, to dig into that stuff with you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that last interview feels like it was years ago at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's a whole different life ago, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the biggest news, obviously, from the band is uh, this week you announced the uh, release date for The Farthest Shore. Uh, talk a little bit about what you have planned for the new record. Yeah, we just announced the album is officially being released on September 25th. Uh, it's a Friday, and it brings us so much joy to finally give a solid date for people because it feels like it's been so long that we've been saying, you know, it's coming, we're working on it, we're getting there, we're getting closer, and then we were saying fall, and now we actually have a date, and it is, as of today, um, only two months away, just under two months. Wow, that's uh, that's going to be here before before people know it. What uh, what can people expect from uh, the record? You've got a number of packages put together for for early uh, early investors. Yes, we have a pre-order campaign running um, for just a few more days up until the 31st of, of July, um, where people can pre-order uh, whatever level they feel comfortable with. We have the digital version of the album. We have a physical copy. There's a few bundles available still. Um, which include T-shirts and a deluxe version of the album. Um, we did have some super exclusive custom-made box sets, but those sold out, um, oh gosh, maybe about two weeks ago at this point. Um, so we're really happy for that. Yeah. And uh, have you been able to meet your fundraising goals for the most part? Uh, we're getting very close. Um, at this point, the rest of the funding is going to help supplement the cost of printing the album because um, mm -hmm. naturally, you know, it costs money to make the physical copy and get that mm -hmm. sent to us so that we can bundle it up and, and package it and then send it out to the fans. So right now I believe we're at 86% uh, of, our, of our goal. So we're trying to get um, just the rest of the way to 100% by the end of the month here. And as an incentive for people to help us get there, uh, if we do reach that 100% by the 31st, there is an additional um, bonus preview song that the contributors will get to hear. So, yeah, kind of trying to dangle some, some unheard music in front yeah. of the fans. <laughs> yeah, and you know, now, now that you're, you're saying that, I, I had placed a pre-order and I'm wondering if maybe I should uh, increase my, uh, if there's a way to upgrade to get to, to get to larger packages or any possibility to do that? Yeah, I think we, we have some flexibility with that. I can talk with the guys and see what we'd need to do on our end, on the back end, but I'm sure we yeah. can make something work. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, to hear the new, the new record. It's got a ton of music on it. Yeah, we have 12 songs, and um, it comes out to just shy of an hour's worth of music. So we're definitely wow. going to have made it worth the wait. Yeah. Is that going to be in a double CD format then? 
Uh, it's all on one CD, and if you get the deluxe nice. version, it also comes with the instrumentals. Because, you know, oh, with, be with our genre of music, it's it can be hard to hear every little possible detail when there's just so many instruments playing so much music that even just taking the vocals out, you know, and I, I don't even feel bad that it's my instrument that gets taken out just because I'm so in love with the orchestrations and, and everything else that, you know, there's subtle things that'll suddenly, you know, come forward in the instrumentals that you may have otherwise missed. Yeah. And, and you obviously had a very serious production team working with you. I'm curious to know what the process of, of building all of those orchestrations and the, and the music overall was like for you. Yeah, and a process it was because um, <laughs> by and large, you know, we all kind of played our role in the songwriting process, but for the most part, it was Brad that came up with most of the um, overall like orchestrations and, and framework of many of the songs. And so what we would do is we'd have uh, the program uses Notion for our uh, sheet music mm -hmm. writing. And we'd have the framework written out, and we'd have, we'd have the melodies written, we'd have, you know, pretty much what it ends up being. And then we send that off to uh, Lucas Noble, um, who is involved in, uh, his, his company is called Ayanata. He's also in a band called Illuminata. Um, mm -hmm. Fantastic guy. We've worked with him on the World We've Lost tracks as well. And I hope we never lose him as, as a member of our production team because I'm so in love with his orchestrations. He goes and he, you know, takes the music we've written and assigns them to his library's digital instruments, um, maybe adds some flourishes here and there, some extra voicing and harmony. Um, but overall, it retains the same structure and character of what we originally wrote and then sends those back to us, and it's like Christmas every time we get the orchestrations back. <laughs> um, so then we take those, and you know we we complete the rest of the recording. Um, the guitars and bass were done at the band house, just direct line in. Um, the drums were recorded at the Pearl Recording Studio um, up here in Minneapolis, mm -hmm. and my vocals were recorded in Rochester um, by Andy Gwynn. And we worked with him on World We've Lost as well. So it was mm -hmm. happy, we were happy to get back in his studio. Um, and then once everything was recorded and edited and ready to go, uh, they were sent off to uh, Joost Vandenbroek in, uh, oh gosh, Austria or Netherlands. I, I can never remember it now. I'm, I have a foot-and-mouth moment. Anyways, um, he's worked with bands like Epica, Xandria, Stream of Passion. Yeah. Um, definitely a known figure in the industry, and that's part of what we wanted because, you know, when it comes to the music, especially the mixing of the music, you know, it, it pays to pay for the quality. And you yeah. want someone who's established, someone who knows the genre, um, someone who has produced music that maybe you're inspired by, um, so we're, we're very happy to have worked with him, and I feel like the depth he gave our songs from, from mixing them, um, it, it's just such a difference that you don't expect just because you've already heard kind of a rough mix of everything, mm -hmm. and you know it's still the same recordings, but you know when you, get, when you hand it off to a professional to really dial in and, and hone into the, the exact 
mix and, and the quality of just polishing everything, um, it just adds a whole other layer of depth to the songs. Yeah, and and you'd worked with, uh, I mean, you worked with him on a couple of the songs that you had already released, right? So the, you just you just re-released World We've Lost, for example, on, on the record. What was it like to update those songs? Yeah, that was um, an interesting process. We With World We've Lost, we had actually worked with uh, Jacob Hansen on the mixing and mastering, so this was kind of Yost's take on that song, and it gives it a whole new character, and, and this time around, we were able to have a full 16-person choir um, to record. They're a, another group based here in Minneapolis called uh, Minneapolis Impulse, a fantastic group of people, and clearly having a live professional choir made a big difference on that song. And, I can yeah um, I I can only imagine what that must have been like for you as a vocalist to work with an organization like that. Oh, I was so excited because I come from a choir background. That was where I how I did most of my singing prior to joining the band. So um, to find these guys who are again a professional group, they're all mm -hmm. pretty much young adults, mostly in their twenties and maybe early thirties, um, and absolutely on board with doing this project because they go out and specifically try to bring choral music to settings that don't usually have choral music. So mm. they've performed in, in pubs, they've performed in planetariums. Um, so when we approached them about being on a metal album, it absolutely fit their branding. And <laughs> it was very much a symbiotic relationship. It must have felt like coming home for you in some ways, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I went with Brad to the, I think we had two rehearsals with them. And then Brad, AJ, and I were there at the studio when we recorded them. Mm -hmm. So I was able to use uh, some of my choral background to help coach them on how to approach certain lines or um, how to maybe balance the voicing a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So that was, it was really nice to kind of uh, flex those muscles again after so long. <laughs> I'm sure. Did, uh, did you uh, provide any of the vocal as well during those sessions, or did you sit in with the choir, or was it strictly them uh, providing those backing vocals? Nope, it was just them this time around. Um, when we did the World We've Lost stuff, I was one of the sopranos, and um, unfortunately I do have somewhat of a distinctive voice, so we knew that right. if I got mixed in with the choir, you know, there's, a, there's a chance I would stand out and we didn't want that to happen. And um, I have, my voice is on, you know, the rest of the album plenty. So yeah. I didn't, we didn't feel there was a need to throw me into the choir as well. <laughs> how uh, how did those choral arrangements come together? Did the Minneapolis Impulse Group provide uh, any guidance on that, or was that strictly coming from you and 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 the rest of the band? Uh, it was pretty much just us. I think um, mm -hmm. you know Brad and I sat down and made sure the the voicing made sense. Um, we did tweak a little bit from earlier versions of some of the songs um, just because, you know, we're, we don't claim to be music theory experts. Uh, we're still learning as we go and we had done some, um, some learning, some self-study on uh, four-part harmony, which is the mm -hmm. bread and butter of a choir. Um, right. And so, yeah, I, the, the choir was really happy with with what we gave them, and I don't think we really needed to adjust much of anything. What uh, What are some of the other things that got reworked in that uh, update of World We've Lost? 
the other main change was that uh, we ended up rewriting the bass part in some sections of the song. Uh, when that song was originally written, we had our original bassist, Malachi, who had come from a guitar background. And so <laughs> he cut, when we were writing the song, he kind of wrote the bass part like it was a guitar part, which hmm. was great at the time because we had a guy who could handle that. And then yep. um, when it came time for looking, revisiting it and looking at it from a mixing standpoint, um, you know, that part was all over the fretboard. And mm. uh, frequency-wise, it was interfering with all of the other stuff going on. So mm. we kind of had to tweak it and, and rewrite the sections to make it more like a traditional bass part and yeah. fit into the puzzle a little better. It's really important for that bass to be a foundation and provide that structure for the rest of the music to sit on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't need to be, you know, a super melodic instrument because we have so much other melody happening with so mm -hmm. many other instruments. Yeah. So. As uh, as you sit back and and listen to the to the album, what are some of the things about which you're most proud? Oh man, there's so much. I I've been dreaming of now that now that I can say September 25th. I've been dreaming of that day for about three years now because mm -hmm. I've seen the potential in these songs since the very first like super MIDI demo uh, version that you know Brad first shows us or mm -hmm. or or Chris comes up with an idea and it's like to see these take form over time and just just add more and more polish as they go. Mm -hmm. um, I'm so excited to see them in their, in their fully realized versions. Um, I'm extremely happy with my vocal performance on this album. Uh, one of my goals was to try and portray as much diversity in my voice as I could. I didn't mm -hmm. want to be locked into any one particular vocal style. And I think when I first started out, at least with the, the Fall of Light songs and maybe still somewhat with the Warbly Blast songs where I was still relying very much on, on head voice and having vibrato and sounding mm -hmm. pretty. And, and that's great in the right context. But now I'm able to, you know, I've, 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 I've obtained the, the skill of, of belting and um, I've just had so much time to, to hone that now that I have this more aggressive attack on some of the songs mm -hmm. and there's parts where I still, I have an operatic tone. There's very, very, very high notes. There's some very low notes. Um, you really see everything that I can offer, at least at this point in my vocal skills. And I'm really happy that that shines through. I'm sure that's going to provide a lot of diversity in the sound of the record overall. It sounds like a really exciting uh, wide range of, of style. Yeah, it's it's an adventure. The it's the the concept of the album is these people who are leaving their homeland to set sail over the horizon, having no idea what's on the other side, and just trying to find out what's out there and carve their own path in in discovery and, and in their lives. And so, you know, there's there's um, battles that they ensue on at sea or a vicious storm that overtakes the ship or they land on a on a wooded island and, and spend time just frolicking through the forest for, for lack of better phrasing. Um, you know, they 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 are 
dealing with the aftermath of the storm and, and trying to rally themselves back to to why they're doing what they're doing and and so there's a lot of emotional arcs that we explore and there's definitely a lot of diversity another thing I'm proud of is that these songs each have their own character to them we wanted to absolutely avoid um, this is a trap that some bands fall into sometimes where you know the songs all kind of start to sound the same and it's not that they're bad songs but there's it's harder to tell them apart and Maybe if you're listening to the CD, you don't even realize that the CD repeated already. And so we absolutely avoid that. Um, and we give a little something for everybody. There's, there's some very heavy moments, um, heavier than you've seen from us before. There's mm. very light and delicate moments. Um, there's, you know, it's cinematic all the way through from start to finish because that's the, that's the core of what we are. We are cinematic mm -hmm. metal. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot in there and I think anybody that listens to the album is going to at least have a couple songs that they just really latch on to, if not the whole album. What do you think are going to be some of the biggest surprises for your longtime fans? Um, that's a good question. Uh, because, you know, it, I have to remind myself that the fans really only have, you know, about 10 songs to go off of for us. There were six on on The Fall of Light and four on World We've Lost, and the majority of our fans didn't find us until after World We've Lost came out. So really, four songs that they've really latched on to. And we've been around these new songs for so long now. Um, you know, I think they're going to be surprised at... Again, the vocal diversity, hearing me, hearing me belt, hearing me just show aggression sometimes, hearing me really just like sing my heart out at times. Not that I didn't do that before, but I just really sure. dialed in on it more now. Um, I feel like the songwriting as a whole has taken a, a big step up um, just in the, in the complexity of the songs. There's songs with changing meter. We've played with song structure in some of the songs where... Maybe you'll hear, you know, verse one and then kind of an interlude and then verse two and then a chorus. Hmm. Um, you know, there's, it's just another way that we tried to change up the song. Um, but I think this is going to be the quality that our fans can expect from us going forward. From, from now on, this is what the fans will know us for. And... The other goal for us is not on, not only to just pay pay off our fans that have been waiting all this time for us and, and hopefully finding some new fans along the way, um, but really starting to be taken seriously in the industry amongst mm -hmm. you know other bands and other industry figures. Um, now that we have a full length album that we can promote, we can tour or you know mm -hmm. eventually tour. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's it's going to make some people sit up and take notice, I think. And that's that's the uh, payoff that we've been chomping at the bit for for, for three years. <laughs> well, if, if the uh, the world we've lost update is any indication, I think you've got a really solid platform for, uh, for doing that, uh, for launching your careers in a meaningful way. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, I wasn't even sure how excited the fans would be for the new world we've lost just because 
you know, they've, they've wanted this new music and they want the new music and the new songs. And then the first thing we give mm-hmm. them is a new version of a song they already know and love. And they've probably heard a million times. You covered yourselves. Uh, I, wasn't sure, <laughs> I wasn't sure what the reaction would be like, oh, cool, but when do we get something new? But actually, the, the response has been incredibly positive, and um, people really do hear the difference from the old version to the new one, and they're very happy with the improvements. So to see such a positive response just from that, it's yeah. like, well, God, now I really can't imagine what they're going to look like or, or say <laughs> when they actually do hear the new stuff. Well, and, and you, you did have a little bit of a chance to be out in front of people recently. A couple weeks ago, you played one of the first uh, live indoor shows in, in Minneapolis. Yeah, and it was a blessing in, in every way possible because we didn't need it to be a big, you know, sold-out venue, make a mm-hmm. $1,000 kind of show. Mm-hmm. Um, we were all feeling as I'm sure every musician feels, the, the, the decay that you feel when you, when you can't make music and you can't share that music with, with your fans sure. and you can't be up on that stage. And I know it was really um, crushing inside of me. And mm-hmm. so the show came up and for a while we just kind of wrote it off like, oh, it's probably not going to happen. It's probably going to get canceled like the others. And then when we mm-hmm. heard back that, no, this is going forward, we were just like, okay, cool. This is probably going to be our only show this year. Let's make the most out of it. And, um, you know, there were obviously precautions taken by the venue. Uh, masks were requ- required. There was hand sanitizer everywhere. Um, the sound person had to be very diligent in, in wiping things down. The bands had to make sure they wiped down any shared equipment. Um, we were all being very cautious in that regard. And they also capped the attendance at 65 people for the venue just so that they could ensure proper social distancing. Mm-hmm. And I think despite that, we still had about 40 people there. And, That's great. Um, it, was, it was really great. And there were some familiar faces that we got to see. And the crowd itself was extremely lively, like, it may have only been 40 people, but it's like the 40 most active and excited and vocal people that you would find at like any concert. And so yeah. it felt like there was twice as much people there. And they were as excited was, to be on to be the, at a show as you were probably. <laughs> exactly, and for many of them, you know, it was their first show since March, and so mm-hmm. I think yeah, there was a lot of built up um, energy and, and excitement that they were happy to share and just having that symbiosis between us and the and the audience it just it just refilled my soul as as a performer i relished every moment i was up on that stage and i realized just how much i missed it because for us it had been over a year since our last show our previous wow. show was in june of 2019 so it had wow. been a minute <laughs> Man. and i i realized i never want to go that long without being on stage again. And did, did you have just, a little stage fright when you walked up on stage? Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, I couldn't wait to be up there. I couldn't wait to do our thing. And, you know, sometimes I do still get stage fright if there's, like, you know, higher stakes for the show if we're opening for, like, a bigger sure. band or if there's a bigger audience sure. or whatever. But this was just, like, we just want to be up there. We want to play some awesome music. We want to 
get the crowd excited and cheering, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what we did. And that's great. And I, I even even on stage, I said I don't fault anybody for not being here, mm-hmm. um, because obviously things are still so up in the air, and everybody has their own comfort level. I was happy that we had the people we did, and mm-hmm. I wasn't I wasn't going to come out of that wishing we had more people or wishing, you know, we could just do concerts all the time again. I, I, mm-hmm. I know what the world is still like. And I think the only reason we were able to do that concert is because the, the bands and the crew and the venue, you know, everybody was still all on board to make it the safest possible show they could. That's great. And did you feel like it was a safe environment? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There, <laughs> me and the guys were even, cracking some jokes because the uh, hand sanitizer bottles that they had, it wasn't like the typical like hand sanitizer smell. It was like almost this kind of like sickly vanilla something. It was, <laughs> it was a very pungent smell. So like if somebody, you know, put some on their hands from the bottle, like everybody around them knew because <laughs> everybody had <laughs> hand sanitizer. So That's yeah, I, I felt safe. All of the bandmates felt safe. I don't think anybody regretted coming out to the show that night, which was a blessing. And and obviously we're we're more than two weeks out from that show, and there's been no word of anybody feeling any sort of sickness. So in that Good. regard, I also re- I see it as a success. That's great. Did it did it feel like that model where really you know super restrictive? Um, audience numbers and things like that. Did it feel like that's a sustainable model for bands like you and for venues like Part Wolf? Unfortunately, I don't think it's sustainable just because there's so much work that has to go into it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they also had a method where just to be make sure they kept it at that 65-person cap, they had people um, go on and, and online reserve their spot at the venue and then um, so you know that was just an extra barrier to mm-hmm. to people wanting to attend and um, although we never directly uh, had any any feedback or critique on this I do know um, some people have criticized other bands and other shows for trying to put on those events right now in the middle of everything mm-hmm. Yep. So there, there is very much potential for backlash um, in that regard. So I see this as kind of a, a one-off blessing that we were mm-hmm. able to do the show, but we all still agree that we're not going to try and do any more shows for the rest of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do think is sustainable and what um, I've seen a little bit is a digital live-streamed concert. Mm-hmm. And um, it seems like the only venue in the Twin Cities, at least, that has managed to figure that out is the Hook and Ladder, which mm-hmm. we have played at before. That's where the mm-hmm. Wicked Arts Fest was last June. And right. it's also directly next to the 3rd Precinct uh, Police Department building. Right. Um, but miraculously, I think the only damage they sustained was just a little bit of graffiti on the walls. I don't think they even yeah. had a broken window. I heard they had some water damage in, in the back room. Um, so I don't okay. know if some things came through or just was, you know, because of the, the fire hoses spraying down the, the precinct building. But I did hear that they had a little bit of damage. But the main room itself okay. was, was pretty well 
uh, secured, which is good. Um, yeah. And I know that the Parkway Theater in South Minneapolis is uh, is doing some some live streamed shows. They've done two now in the last couple weeks, um, and it seems as though those have been well received. Parkway. Um, okay. Yeah, it's at 48th and Chicago and South Minneapolis. Yeah, I would love to see more of that happening because it obviously, you know, it minimizes the amount of people there because the audience stays home. The mm -hmm. band still gets to get up on stage, get all dressed mm -hmm. up, do their thing, and yep. it just gets filmed. And the yeah. between, you know, the, the, the staff operating the cameras versus the soundboard, you know, it still keeps the staffing at a minimum. Mm -hmm. um, and you can still depending on how the venue does it, you can still, you know, keep it behind a, some sort of a pay gate so that there's still a concept of ticket sales. Right. Um, but I think that is the happy medium that we can, we can strive for, at least until larger gatherings are safe again. Mm-hmm. Yep. How, uh, did you play any of the new music in your show? We did. Yeah, we, uh, we played three songs off the new album. Uh, we played Planetary Eyes, which has gotten the most airtime uh, because we mm -hmm. got to include it in our, our tour set list. Mm -hmm. And we also played A Journey Itself, which we mm -hmm. debuted at the show last June, so this is only the second time playing it. Um, and then we also played Edge of the Earth, which was its debut. And I think all three went over very well with the, with the audience. That's great. And so yeah, I, uh, do, you, do you feel like um, you've got some new activities to be, I mean, obviously talking about the, the new album is going to be the main focus for, for you all. Um, is there anything else that you've got in the works for the coming months? Yeah, right now we're, we're seeking out a lot of um, media opportunities to do some interviews like this one as well as um, sending the album out to some reviewers, get some press that way. Um, we obviously just released the redone uh, World We've Lost, mm -hmm. and we're going to have a couple more singles that will be coming out prior to the album release. So I can't give the exact days for those yet, but between mm -hmm. now and September 25th, um, you'll hear at least a couple new songs, and one of which will have a lyric video to it. Ooh, exciting. Yeah, yeah, and it's not just a words on the screen lyric video. It's actually going to have some some meat behind it. So really, that'll be the next one on the list. Well, that's uh, that's some really exciting uh, activity. I mean, it sounds like you're really going to be getting behind the album and, and using it as a launch pad uh, for the band, which I can't wait to hear. Yeah, very much so. I. Like I said, I've been dreaming of the day that we can finally share these songs in their fully completed form with people just because I've become so in love with them. And, mm -hmm. and I know it's going to blow minds. And it's like everybody's been waiting in so, such anticipation. It's just like, I know, I know, just wait <laughs> a little longer. You're going to lose your mind. <laughs> and and so how do we get people connected with you so that they can pre-order uh, a version of the of the album and so on? Yeah, the pre-order campaign and just our general web shop is at www.aftertimeshop.com. 
You can follow us on our social media. We're most active on Facebook at Aftertime and on Instagram at Aftertime underscore official. Um, we have a YouTube page that we've uploaded the new World We've Lost to, um, which will also have the, the lyric video and all of the tracks once they're officially released. Um, and the YouTube page is also Aftertime Official. And we'd love to uh, we'd love to get to know you. We're looking to find new fans just in time for all of this amazing new music, and we want to take you on this journey with us. Well, it's it's been exciting for for me to hear some of the new the new music and to see the you know expansion that you've made in your style and your um and your approach to the music and and I know everybody's going to be blown away. So we'll make sure that everybody reaches out and gets connected to you through your uh, website and gets a chance to uh, take advantage of some of those pre-order benefits that you're offering. Awesome, great, thank you. And just one more reminder that the the pre-order is running till the 31st and we're trying to get to 100% so we can release one more preview song to anybody that contributes. That seems like a pretty good incentive to me. And so, uh, Sarah, thank you for being here on the show. It's great to catch up with you, and uh, I can't wait to see uh, see the record hit, hit shelves and hit the digital world uh, on September 25th. Thank you so much, Jason.